Okay, guys, how are you going? Good, thanks. Good, thanks, Good, Pato. Good. So we've got Ben Nichols, Tim Kaprizak, and Matt Doobie. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's been an awesome year. Um, and I've got a, Obviously, this is the end of year review show, but I've got a few questions for you guys before we get started. So just starting with you, Ben, you're leading to bigs. You were looking pretty good. You won that 200-miler in Queensland. And then you won the Surf Coast Century Mixed Pairs race. And then things took took a bit of a U-turn. So what happened? Um, yeah, so I think um, Unreasonable, which was the 200-miler, that might have been uh, five and a half weeks out and then um, recovered pretty good from that. Ran a 100K race where I did 50 and Camille did 50 and we... We won that. I definitely had a bit of fatigue in that one, but still got through it pretty good. And then, so I was pretty pumped. And then I gave myself a week to recover and thought, right, I'm going to do a big week. Um, and the plan was to do like 180 kilometre a week that week. At the same time, I was doing a heap of sheep work and uh, work and doing my day job as well, which is a 12 hour, 12 hour shift. So I was getting home in the morning. I was on night shift. And, um, trimming some sheep's feet and I was just trying to get through sort of 10 to 20 a morning before I went to bed and there were only about 60 so it was only a, a few days work well a few mornings work anyway I got down to the second last sheep uh, you basically you just flip the sheep over and sit it on its on its bum and you give it a, a pedicure basically and um, they were young strong sheep and this sheep was fighting really hard and um, I was having trouble holding it and it kicked up really high and I pushed down to sort of stop myself from getting kicked in the face. And as I have done that, I've managed to hit myself in the left knee with the, the, the trimmers that I was holding in my right hand. And um, they're basically just like sort of heavy duty scissors really. And it just sort of went into my knee and um, instantly sort of knew, geez, I've hurt that. My my 180 kilometre week might be in in jeopardy here, <laughs> but that's sort of at first. That's all I thought I'd done was maybe I wasn't going to be able to get my big week done. Um, so I finished that sheep and then the last sheep and I walked down to the house and I was limping pretty bad and I wasn't in a great mood. I hadn't slept um, and I walked into the house and sort of didn't say anything to anybody and I just walked into the first aid kit and I, I taped it up. And it was it's, uh, the the dressing that I put on it was soaked within a minute, and it was bleeding pretty heavily. And then Camille came and helped me. Camille's a nurse, and um, so we butterfly taped it up, and or steri stripped it up, and then within a couple of hours, I think because we, we we sealed it up so well, it kept bleeding inside, and it filled the joints up with fluid, and it became excruciatingly painful to the point where I thought maybe I'd actually broken the kneecap. Uh, I went to the hospital and it wasn't broken, luckily. But long story short, a few days later, I was in the emergency department um, and was told I needed surgery and that there was no way I was running an ultra marathon in three weeks. And um, I just sort of didn't, this isn't good advice, 
for any young people <laughs> listening at home. I just didn't really think that they had their finger on it quite right. And um, I thought I, I can get this right in three weeks. And I'm not sure I could say that I did, but we got running again and um, managed 50 hours at Bigs, but it was very painful 50 hours and it was very difficult three weeks. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of, yeah, it was, it was tricky, but sort of pulled it off. Yeah, bloody hell. Um, yeah, I didn't realise you did it shearing a sheep, but um, apparently, did, did I hear right that two doc different surgeons actually or two different doctors told you you needed surgery? Um, yeah, basically. Basically, well, there were there were three on that that particular day. There were three, um, and it didn't look good at all. Like there was coloration down my calf and up my quad, and it did look infected, but I just didn't feel infected. Like I had, there were no glands raised, and it had only been a couple of days. And I, knowing myself, I don't, I don't get infected easily, and certainly not that quickly. And I think it was it was more blood and fluid. And they aspirated it, which means they basically stick a big needle in there, which is horrible, and pull the fluid out to see what the fluid is. And all they got was blood. They were expecting to get a syringe full of pus, and all they got was blood. So um, they actually sent that off to get tested. But before the test results arrived, they were pushing me to get surgery. And I said, oh, I want to wait for the test results. And then... The test results came back with um, only a minor infection, so not what they were uh, anticipating. So yeah. Just on the antibiotics and anti-inflammatories and, mm. yeah, limped, limped for a few weeks. <laughs> and being only three weeks from Biggs, you obviously would have had your plane tickets, all your accommodation and everything totally planned. So, we, I mean, it would have been a, been a big call to have, like called it off. Yeah, well, um, purely by coincidence, I booked, I'd only booked half the flights. So I booked the flights through to Honolulu. It, and it, at the time, it was about $2,000 cheaper to fly to Hawaii and then onto the mainland. Um, so I think it was only a day before I booked the flights to Honolulu and I hadn't yet booked the flights onwards to Nashville. Um, so... We held off on that, obviously, and I, I just I checked the prices pretty much every day. <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't really changing at all at that point. I think it was kind of locked in. It's a, I think flying from the mainland to Hawaii is quite is a common route, um, so there's a lot of flights. Um, and then, yeah, so Tim had not yet made the list, and I messaged him pretty much straight away. I think it was the day after that I heard it and said, look, there's a possibility I'm not going and you'll be going. And um, so, yeah, I think that was probably the biggest driver to not locking it in was being really worried that I'd go um, and then run for five hours, yeah. blow my knee out while Tim's sitting at home watching me. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a, that was a big... Big, big thing playing on my mind. Yeah. I've just got a just a quick question, Ben. Um, 
sort of in case people, you know, the viewers or, or the, the people listening sort of don't underestimate sort of the, the actual seriousness of the injury, um, is, is it, is it worth saying that if, if it wasn't a dream race and an international race, if, if this race was in Australia, would, would you have pulled the pin and not competed? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I've been paying for it ever since. It's been, what is it, been like six or, six or eight weeks or something like that, and I'm, I'm still dealing with the aftermath. So nearly through it. Um, back running, and, you know, I ran 15Ks yesterday and aiming to run 80 or 90 this week. So definitely back running, but still dealing with the a few issues. So, yeah, no way I would have put my body through that or, or risked, you know, this much time for a domestic race. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, Tim, you were on the reserve list and um, during this time, and obviously you didn't want to make make it to Biggs because Ben pulled out because of this, but um, when did you actually know that you had made it to Biggs? Uh, yeah, you're definitely right. I didn't want... Um, I actually felt, I, I could feel that Ben felt bad that he's like, oh, this is, I'm your chance to get there. And then I kind of felt bad. I'm like, I don't want you to be my chance to get there. So I was like, oh, God damn, I hope someone else pulls out so that it's kind of, so it's all okay. Um, but yeah, I found out, I think it was the, I found out on the Wednesday before. So it was like 10 days before the event. I, I had a message from Laz saying that, um, it looks like a couple guys aren't going to be able to make it uh, due to visa issues, and um, there's a spot there if you want it. So I, yeah, I pretty much found out on Wednesday, and I flew out on Sunday. So I just kind of scamper around, try to get flights, book some accommodation. Um, one of my good mates at work, Joel, he, well, we both had kind of already planned um, with work and said that we're going. Um, so everything was kind of planned around we're actually going and um, and so yeah so it wasn't too difficult but work work kind of going are you guys going to be here on on Monday we're like oh just just hold on for a bit longer just hold on for a bit longer and then yeah I got the call and we were able to kind of um, yeah make it good job yeah yeah it wasn't um, yeah, it wasn't easy but yeah and it was a shame because like I wanted to take my family over uh initially if i had i have qualified um like everyone else three months prior it would have been a little bit easier but i mean i yeah i still trained and everything like that like i was going but um i think i even said that to you on the previous podcast so i was going to continue to train like i was going so yeah yeah and you did uh you did amazingly well like you did 60 yards you broke the victorian record you did a pb but i haven't actually asked you like um what actually like, were you toiling away for a long time till you pulled out, or was it sudden? Like, what actually happened when you? Nah, it was for me. It was it was pretty sudden. I kind of I got into the fifties uh, pretty easily. I was running through the nights really well. Um, like my body, my body held up really, really well right up until the end. It was feeling great. Um, I reckon maybe the last four or five hours, I was having some tummy issues. Um, so I'd kind of switched back to just um, liquid nutrition and that was working okay. And then I, I, was, I don't know, I, I, it's almost like um, I think when, when I get tired, I start to get a little irrational um, in my thinking and I'm, I come, I'm coming in and I'm, 
I've got like four or five minutes, but I feel like I've got, you know, four or five seconds. And I'm like, no, this is all over. This, this is happening. This is the moment I'm going to quit. And it's, and everyone's like, just chill out. Just, you've got plenty of time. Like I even look back at my times now and I'm like, what was I thinking? Um, and then I kind of got to a point and like I've had a lot of thoughts about it and it's hard because when you kind of pull the pin and you and you felt like the body still felt good you kind of feel like you ripped yourself off but I almost felt like I, I'd put so much effort into the preparation to get there and so much energy towards that and I got there and I was like oh my god now that I'm here I want to make sure I, I'm competitive or at least I seem to be competitive and then I think I got myself to a point that I'm like I, I think I'm there. I think I, I, I got what I wanted and that was to make it there and be competitive. And 60 was around about that mark. Whereas if I had have gone into it and gone, I want to win, then I probably would have kicked on because, because the next day I was, I was joking with Ben. I was jogging down the road and I'm like, you're an idiot. Why did you pull out? Like, so I'd almost lost my why. I think yeah. that's probably, that's the reason that's what it kind of came down to. Um, but it's easy to say when you're sitting here and you've, you know, you've had 10 hours sleep and you've, everything's okay and, and, uh, you're not stressed and you haven't been running for 60 hours. It's easy to say that. But in that moment, I think that that's the one thing I've got to work on is, is make sure that I've got a better why. Um, and I think I've kind of, I think I'm on top of it because I, the, what I've seen of others at Biggs was like everyone kind of stopped for the same reason, but they, they pushed a little bit further. Mm, yeah. I find it amazing with, with everyone that I talk to, you know, with racing backyards, just how often you find that, that fulfillment being the, the enemy of the backyard racer. You know, it, yeah. it can kill you every time being satisfied. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's like, oh, I don't think, I think everyone's going to be, you know, proud of the effort that I've put in and I'm proud of the effort that I've put in. And it's like, but it's, it's not the win. It's not, you know and it's sometimes maybe maybe that's the lesson in it all it was for me it was getting to that moment and realizing that you need now if you're going to move on to to bigger and better things that you're going to have to find uh, a better reason why um and that's uh, and i'm okay with that like I, I love you know having finding out you know about myself and being able to learn from the, the whole actual experience so i'm like okay cool this is great i've got something to work on had i've won i would have been like I've arrived <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then I was like, now I've got nothing to work on. And it's like, it's all, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. It's there. But anyway, yeah, so that was pretty much why, yeah, I kind of, um, I pulled a pin. Mm. Well, look, I mean, 60 is still, I mean, 60 is an awesome result. And I mean, when you watch, when you're sitting back and watching it, 60 hours, like, that's like, it felt a big like, number. it's a big number, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did look. It didn't feel like that long, but yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's you're almost in a bubble. Every time you go into these events, you you kind of you're away from technology, you're away from people, you're just in this bubble. And it was actually really nice. I I actually we actually stayed at the race site um, right until the end, and it just be still being in that bubble was was pretty cool because the days like 
yeah, they went pretty quick because normally, you know, you go home and everyone's still running two or three days later and you've you've lived a whole nother life outside of the race. But to actually still have been there and watched everyone kind of push through and chanting everyone in and oh, it was just, the atmosphere was just amazing, especially from, you know, from about 72 hours to about 90 hours. Um, so that fourth day, um, it was pretty cool because everyone that had kind of had a bit of a sleep had come back and everyone was kind of cheering everyone else on. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you've also got to put some, some more perspective on it as well, Tim, with what you achieved, you know. It, it was only a few years ago, I think, what, 2019, 60 loops wins Big's Backyard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of course the sport has evolved very quickly, but it was only a few years ago where that, that was a, a world leading time oh yeah yeah Yeah. um so matt you um went back to back at gv this year at shepparton and i mean i was there with you and i mean you looked so strong so you must be looking forward to testing yourself against some um races that be like going to go a bit deeper this year uh look definitely um i i think it's sort of my time this year to, to take the next step because um it, it's it's probably it's been almost two years now since i you know pulled out when when i wasn't injured you know i'm sort of taking a bit of a, a swipe at the, the sat champs because you know you guys know i went into it a bit injured and and a bit exhausted um but you know the last time that i was really fit for a race and and pulled out of a, a backyard was when I was racing all of you guys, it's when, when you won, Ben, obviously, at MVP in 2020, early 2022. Um, and to be honest, um, I, I think I'm a lot better runner now than I was then. You know, two years <coughs> of backyard education, you know, of, of re- you know, you guys know I'm a real backyard enthusiast. Um, I'm not, a fr- I'm not, you know, afraid to say that. Um, so I've spent a lot of time training preparing and 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 learning from from everyone that, that i've watched in backyard races and and so i i think i'm a better backyard racer than maybe my pb suggests and obviously at miram Werner, I'll, I'll get to you know put my money where my mouth is and i'll get an opportunity to um to really race with some really good runners obviously you guys first and foremost um and because GV, you know, I love both years at GV, uh, particularly the second year when I really felt strong as a runner. Um, but um, but Miram Werner will absolutely be a massive step up and, and, a, and a big step up in competition. So I'm just looking forward to in, embracing that competition um, and going in off uh, an event, you know, really fit and, and ready to really find my limit. Yeah, um, yeah, Miram Moon, it's going to be awesome. Have you thought about if you're going to go for the three-piece at GV next year? Uh, It's always on my mind, but look, look, I haven't told Robbie, the the race director, this, so he's probably going to find out on this uh, podcast. But look, I I don't think so. Um, I've committed to another Victorian Backyard Ultra in June, the Wild Dog Backyard Ultra, which is uh, a pretty local race for me that I've um, that I already committed to, um, and I, I don't know 
if I'm prepared and I don't know if my family are prepared for me to do three backyards in one race, in one year, sorry. Um, for me, personally, I sort of just think maybe two might be my limit. I don't know if I want to put three races together. Um, if if something happens at Wild Dog and I don't get up and I get injured or, or I don't have a great race, then obviously GV will always be there for me. Um, but at this stage, I'm, I really am just sort of focusing on Miram Wernet, number one, and then Wild Dog in June. Um, and then we'll see what happens after that. Um, what are you going to do if you win the silver ticket at Miram Wernet then? Well, if I win the silver ticket at Miramar, <laughs> it looks like I'm going. Yeah, that's it looks like I'm doing the third race. Um, but I'm I'm a little bit, you know, I'm a little bit you know, non-committal or anything like that. Purely just because I've run three backyards in a year before, and it's when I got injured, um, and I really don't want that to happen again. Especially when I've had a, a really good race in September, and I'm really fit and, and really confident. Um, I, I want to do whatever I can not to have another setback. Yeah. One of the things is that though the year you did the three, the first two were all on concrete, um, MVP and Shepard, they're all on concrete, whereas Miriam Wernet and Wild Dog, I believe, are mainly on the softer surface. So that's probably a good thing. That That is what you're saying is absolutely true, Pato. Um, yeah, that year that I did um three yeah the first two were yeah hard courses so maybe there's something in that maybe that's why my body didn't hold up as well as i wanted to, to. um but um geez, what do we know <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah so look i mean <clears throat> like uh i mean i asked you guys to come on so we could talk about the um the year that was and stuff like that and i've given you a few categories so um so for the Backyard Ultra 2023, I thought we'd just start from the top and go runner of 2023. Um, ben, did you want to um, tell us your thoughts? Uh, yeah. Um, I kind of got two lists. I've got an international list and a domestic list. So, cool. Um, it, it's hard to go past the world champion in any sport. You, you can't really go past Harvey Lewis as being runner of the year, new world record, won the world championships. So I think that's the obvious choice. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, that's a long way, by the way. Eight hours. I was there. Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's incredible. Um, domestically, I've got Phil, which is probably not a huge surprise, but uh, I've got Phil for doing 200-hour plus runs um in a year and i think he actually did them within five months so as far as i know he's the only person in the world that's managed to do that i think he's one of only two that have done a hundred twice you know uh yeah they're my two yeah i think that um seeing i think one runner doing two hundreds in one calendar year is going to be very very rare i don't know if we'll see yeah that yeah for a while yeah I think that's a massive achievement. It's probably overlooked by a few people. Yeah. Um, what about you, Tim? Yeah. Well, I I kind of agree with with Ben with Harvey. Like he's a that was an amazing effort. 
Um, but I just I had Phil as my runner of the year purely because, like you said, two hundred hour races, a oh, hundred um, yeah hour races in a five month period. It's just it's crazy to think that he he was able to do that. And w- like one of them, he won. And one of them, obviously, he didn't. But the, the one at Dead Cow Gully, he could have kept on going for another twenty four hours. Um, the way he looked, he was he, he looked pretty amazing. And even like I got to crew him a little bit at the end of um, Bigs, um, and the way he pushed, and so he went out on an injury in the end. Um, so um, yeah, like my like I know I know I've been saying like you know you can't go past the world champion, and you can't, but just purely on 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 how many you know yards he actually did over. A, a whole year because he actually won Herdies earlier on in the year as well. So I think it was like 58 hours there as well. So uh, I mean, purely on that, I had Phil um, and and Harvey was definitely up there as well. I can help you out there, Tim. I got some stats here. Phil won six races, one second and fifth at Bigs. He won backyards, track ultras, and trail races. So I mean, that's. There you go, and that's why, and that's why I had Phil Gore as my backyard <laughs> runner of the year. When you when you put his his twenty twenty three running record next to Harvey's, he, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's out in front. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but you can't go past the world record and the world champion, yeah, world champion. as well. So that's yeah. yeah. So it's 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 really tricky. It is a tr- it is a tricky one. Yeah. He would have made it. It would have been a lot easier, honestly. Phil had just won, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, nah. But yeah, um, what about that's you? Yeah. yeah, look, there's. I don't think there's much to add. To be honest, I, I think from a from a domestic standpoint, um, you know, we're all obviously Phil fans. Um, I, I'm very much sort of with Ben that, you know, Biggs is the 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 flagship of of the backyard ultra, um, regardless of if you've been beat earlier in the year, if, um, if you win bigs, you're the, you're the runner of the year that, that, that I, I can't get past that to be honest. Um, but geez, with, with Phil and look, you guys were there, Tim and, um, um, Tim and Dave, um, and I watched it, you know, pretty closely online. That Dead Cow Gully Masters race that Phil ran, like I, Phil won't mind me saying this, but when when I saw that race end, I I never ever in my mind thought that Phil wasn't going to win the world championship. I, I didn't for one second think that he wasn't going to win bids, um, and I, I would have put my house on it and I would have lost it. Um, uh, and and the fact that he how superior he looked at the time against Harvey and Sam Harvey. Um, I, I just would have backed him all the way. Um, and, you know, he, you know, Phil, Phil suffered his first loss in almost three years or, or something like that. But I think Phil would still um, say that this was his best year in running probably ever. Um, mm. We'll have to ask him that sometime. I think I think there's a lot to be said for travelling as well. Um, oh, yeah. Harvey, Harvey Lewis had to travel to Dead Cow Gully and and fight the jet lag and everything else 
And so I think that although that, that 90 was incredible, I don't think that he proved that he had more. It's just that that travel that traveling. I when we went to you know when we went to big, it took me four or five days before I felt normal. And then you hit the event, and you know it can be masked with all the excitement and all that your fatigue and your jet lag. It's very easy to mask it with that. But yeah, and Phil would have been in the same boat, you know, having to travel over to for to Tennessee. So there's a lot to be said for that, like. I think what runners might do in the future, if they got to travel to Bigs or something like that, they might even they might go a couple of weeks earlier just to make sure that that, yeah, because you could tell that that was a little bit of a. I think that was a little bit of a difference. Um, n- not taking away anything from Harvey Lewis, but like I mean, he he did also have to travel to Deccan Gully, so I I, th- I think that yeah, props to the guys that you know if you can travel and, and put in an amazing performance like that anyway. Um, but yeah, I think that it is a factor. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. And also, the thing with um, traveling from Perth—it's actually the furthest distance that anyone travelled from um, to get to Bigs. Yeah, right. It's good stuff. <clears throat> um, for so for my runner of twenty twenty three, I've I've given an honourable mention to Margie Hadley because she won two backyard ultras, birdies, and hysterical. And then two weeks after she won hysterical, she won Costa Cozzi. So. Um, she's a bloody good runner, and I'm glad she's going to be in the um, Australian team at the Sat Champs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, yeah, look, Phil Gore's my runner of the year. Um, he started in beast mode, winning Herdies. He broke the world record at the Masters, and then three months later broke 100 again at Biggs. And like I said, I don't think we'll see anyone break 100 twice in a calendar year very often, and I think for me that makes him my runner of the year well said yeah um so yeah but one of the reasons why i left harvey uh harvey lewis out of my runner of the year is because i've i've got a category single best performance of the year um so um ben who did you have down what do you have down for that Uh, i've got ihor ihor berries I think that's yeah. how he pronounced his last name. It was the assist at Biggs, um, 107. And I think at 100, I thought there was no way this guy's going to lose. Yeah. Um, it was him and Bartos, the Polish guy, running together, and they just looked together. They just looked so solid. And then Bartos pulled out, and um, you just saw Ehor just sort of. Yeah, his mind took over a little bit. and um, But that was his third backyard. Uh, he's run 39, 67 and 107. So a 40-hour PB assist at the World Champs. Yeah. Really, I think, came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody would have picked him to be the assist. So that's my performance of the year. Um, got to mention Jen Rosso, who got the assist at Capital in 74, which I believe is a women's female record, world record. Uh, and domestically, I've gone the same as you, but I've got Margie for winning Coast to Cozzy two weeks after winning a backyard. <laughs> what is she? What is she run? 40, 40 hours? Oh, yeah, 40. She won with 40 hours. Yeah, so 40 hour run two weeks later, doing a 32 hour run and winning, winning both of them. So, yeah, 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 she's a she's a gun. She's so fun to run with as well. She's really good to talk to out there 
And um, yeah, like like I said, she'll like she was in the Sat Chance team last last year, but she's um, she's an awesome member of that team, which you guys probably realised when you ran with her last time. Yeah, yeah. let's stop. Let's stop talking about Margie because uh, she's in my predictions for twenty twenty four. So it's still my prediction. <laughs> um, uh, Tim, what your single best performance of twenty twenty three? So I kind of had, um, I kind of looked at it a little bit differently. I looked at, um, at it as, uh, as a, uh, a fan of Backyard Ultra and watching the Suffolk Backyard Ultra was one of the best experiences that I had watching, um, at, from home. Um, the gentleman that commentated that, like he had me hooked and had me like tuning in every single hour going, what's going on? Like, it was just epic and watching Oriel and Henrik, um, that's kind of, I suppose that's my single best performance. Those two together at the end of that race was just amazing. Um, like at lap 78, Oriel ran like 59.35, right? Just got in. I'm like, yep, he's done. There is no way that he's going to be able to keep going. These guys are in the high, like 50s for, ages like i think um yeah so at like 72 orioles are like 55 so for 10 hours they were up in the high 50s and they were just coming in and the guy commentating so i had you on the edge of your seat like he'd, he'd see him come around the corner and he's like oh here he comes and you're like come on get there get there it was like watching a horse race yeah. but it was the horse race ever right and i'm just there i'm like come on he's got this and i'm like now orioles gone and then you were hearing things about um oriel falling asleep and um john stocker running past him and waking him up off a bench and i'm like oh man that's incredible and he was still getting in and then yeah and then henrik looks super strong and i got to run with henrik for a bit at um at bigs as well he's a super nice guy and uh and it was just watching that race unfold and then oriel winning on 82 in the end was just yeah for me that was like the single best performance uh, of the year but in saying that watching oriel run at bigs was pretty amazing as well i heard a rumor that his crew by accident um stuffed up his uh dosing of his liquid nutrition for the first 24 hours that was it was meant to be it was like one to ten like it was like 10 percent of what they were supposed to be mixing and he couldn't understand why he had no energy is because they were mixing 10 percent instead of 100 percent of whatever like his liquid nutrition was and he just kept on going and he ended up with i think 89 or something like that at bigs um and yeah so that was yeah but that that suffolk back out ultra was was super cool it was yeah. awesome to watch from home yeah, I have to I have to second that. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of uh, documentaries on backyard ulcers, and, and that that that's some of the best footage out there. It, it, pretty good stuff. Yeah, yeah. And um, what about you, Matt? Yeah, oh, look, mine's very simple. I I, I can't go past Biggs. To be honest, um, Biggs is the the shining light of the backyard world, and and Harvey sort of proved. Um, you know, he's you know. He's um, won it twice now. Like he's look, the reality is, and until someone beats him at bigs, he's the backyard king. So, um, Phil Harvey is the performance of the year for me. Yeah, I've actually written a few down. I've got um, Phil Gore at the Masters breaking the world record. Um, 
John Bain, I've got to say, John Bain at the Masters, um, a lot of people would have missed him unless you were there. So, Tim, you, you'd remember, like, he did 50, not 51 yards. Yep. He's like 58 or 59 years old, and there's no one in the world older than him that did more yards than him. Yeah. Um, and then that brings me to Jen Russo. She's only one year younger than John Bain. And she, like Ben said, she ran twenty. She, she ran seventy-four yards at Capital, breaking the female world record. Um, Sam Harvey at the Masters said he'd break a hundred, and he did, smashing his previous best by fifty yards, over fifty yards. Yeah, that's fair. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, also, you probably noticed that Birdie's Chris Martin between his thirty-two yards, he was painting an art. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was that was epic. Yeah, so which they which it was pretty much almost finished after the thirty two yards, and he auctioned it off for charity. And and like you guys know, his artwork is amazing. And what he did in between those thirty two yards, it looked like a photo. It was that amazing. Um, Ehor um, really announced himself on the main stage with that record performance. As the assist, he's only in his 20s as well. So he's one of those young guns like Sam Harvey who are going to be around for a while. Who knows what they're going to do. And performance of the year, Harvey Lewis at Biggs. If there was a rating system measuring backyard ultra performances, then it's impossible anything would rate higher than that run at Biggs. Yeah, I, look, I agree. Like uh, Harvey's run was... And he was, you know what, uh, being there, he was nowhere to be seen for the first two or three days. <laughs> like he was down the back, just chilling out, having a good time. Um, and then, yeah, and then he popped up when he needed to and, and yeah, and took it out, which, which was, yeah, it was a super impressive performance. Yeah. Um, race of the year. Um, <laughs> what have you got, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is going to sound a bit boring, isn't it? But <laughs> um, for me, it was big, but there's probably no surprises there. It was a unexpected result, even though Harvey's been former world record holder and was always going to be up there. But it wasn't just Harvey; it was the top ten that were there and the distance that they did. And, um, I guess being there for me just was it was cool and it was incredible to see so many people pushing themselves um if you want to see if you if you're one of those people that are at home asking how do people do this you know i'm not talking about 90 or 100 even just 40 or 50 how do they do it it doesn't seem possible go to something like that and see how many people are literally on their last legs and swaying in the corral and knowing they're not going to win you know, there's still, they're in the 80s and the 90s. There's 30 people left. They know they're not going to win. They just keep getting up. So from that perspective, it was race of the year. Um, in Australia, the Masters was pretty awesome to watch. I loved watching that. And um, the top five finishes all went to the World Championships, which would be surprised if there was too many other races where, there were five people from one, from one race at the World Champs. Mm. And um, Hurdy's, Timmy's, um, one of Timmy's <laughs> many races, 
where uh, <laughs> I think I think that was the first time in Australia where four people got over fifty. So um, yeah, that was my three. That was funny. <laughs> <laughs> that hurties. That, was- that hurties. I don't remember the last three of those loops. I was on another planet. I was, yeah, it was pretty tough. Pretty tough. For me, I, my back out ultra race of the year was definitely bigs. Like getting to, getting there, the atmosphere around the whole, you know, the whole, you know, site. Um, Laz being there and being Laz is exactly what we all expected. You know, he's yelling at people. To, he's yelling at people out the, you know, at the front of his place park, and you know, um, you know, he's he's getting upset because someone left some litter on the trail because it's his place, and it's like, yeah, of course you're going to get upset. But um, but but that man, that man rang the bell for every single loop. Um, he might have had a couple naps in that chair that I noticed that he was sitting there right near the bell, but he had his alarm set for four minutes to go. And, you know, he yelled out happy time every single time we ran off. He rang that bell and it was like, oh my God, how on earth are you doing this? Like, we're, st- like, we're struggling. We've been training. We're all athletes and you're do- bringing that bell. Um, so yeah, that was pretty cool. And like Ben said, like, you know, you meet all these people that you've been following. Um, for such a long time and they're like like to me they were like like meeting lebron james it was like oh my god there's you know there's john stocker and there's you know henrik and there's all these people that you've had on the podcast as well and and they don't think anything of themselves they they're all just kind of quiet and everyone's you know um very humble which was really really awesome to see that the whole like that's the they're the best runners in the community um assembling for the best race that you can have and everyone was so humble and um so yeah it was a really really cool event um and yeah definitely one that if anyone's you know looking at at trying to you know be you know try and participate against the best that's one thing that you should really strive for is is bigs because um yeah it was a it was an experience i'll never forget yeah well i mean it was all it was captured so well on the live stream as well. Like, I mean, me and Matt were watching from home and it was really well done. You've probably, you've probably watched it back. It, it was awesome. Yeah, I watched a couple of clips back here and there. Um, I actually didn't know it was going to be like that. Like, um, a few few laps in, um, I was asking uh, Joel, I'm like, oh, are they, like, recording? And, is it? and they're like, yeah, it's all full live streaming it and everything like that. And I'm like, oh, cool. I, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I didn't think that it was going to be so professionally done. You know, because obviously they, they could make some tweaks here and there. But what they were doing, those guys with the cameras, man, they were, like, when I was crewing for Phil, like, they were, like, right in your face trying to get all the goss. And, try, and I'm like, it's it's great for the viewing um audience but for for us it was kind of tricky because you're kind of like you know what do you reckon we should do and and who's running here and who's dropped out and all those things and kind of didn't want to give away too much of your tactics but um but it was definitely yeah it was definitely cool and yeah i i flipped back through a couple of videos um just to see you know when i pulled the pin and uh, how i was looking and stuff like that and yeah the footage is awesome that they got yeah <laughs> Um, uh, Matt, your race of the year or races of the year? Yeah, look, I'll have to apologise to the international fans because I'm just going to stick domestically because that's basically all I know. <laughs> but, uh, look, Ben touched on, you know, everyone's touched on the Masters and that really was a, a 
a really good race. Um, but I, I really, one that might come out of left field, I, I really enjoyed uh, this year's Birdie's Backyard, um, m mainly because it was the first year in a few years where Phil Gore wasn't racing. Um, and the fact that um, Rob um, was already qualified for bigs as well, um, it really, really opened up the field like it hasn't been for, for many years. Um, back in the days when Michael Hooker was dominating the backyard scene. Um, so to, to watch birdies with a genuinely open field, um, I really followed that one with excitement. Um, and it didn't disappoint with uh, with Margie taking it out. Um, and obviously, yeah, I've already touched on it, but the Masters is obviously a high point for, for Australian backyard racing, getting international fields ac across. Oh, that was, that was a big race internationally. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, yeah, we can't not talk about that. Yeah. Um, I've got race of the – I've got a, a few – a couple or three – Clint Eastwood, um, Ryan Crawford, and James Blanton running together as the final two for twenty-four hours. Oh, sorry, for twenty-two hours to reach sixty, and James Blanton qualifying for bigs in that race. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, um, and you probably thought Tim when he qualified it was all over for you, did you? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, Ryan, you dragged someone into bigs. <laughs> now I'm out. Definitely. Now I think at that stage. I was a little, I was still a fair way down the list, but it, it didn't help my um, anxiety, no. Yeah. Um, I've got Suffolk Backyard Ultra as well. Um, great finish between Oriol and Hendrik Brewery, and the coverage by Stephen Cousins was excellent. Um, the Masters, if anyone hasn't watched the doco on YouTube, you've got to watch it because it is so good. Um, you were you start on it as well, Tim. So pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I think> you're funny. <laughs> um, and Biggs, definitely the best backyard ultra field assembled. Um, Seventy-two runners were left at twenty-four hours. Forty-seven runners were left at forty-eight. Twenty-three at seventy-two, and six runners broke a hundred. So. Um, yeah, so so well captured on the live stream and an exciting finish. So definitely the race of the year for me. Um, so with the next thing, backyard story of the year, I was kind of thinking like, what what sort of what's happened during the during the year that could be turned into a movie kind of thing? Um, did you what did you come up with, Ben? Ah, uh, easy. This one was easy. This was Tim getting the bids. Wouldn't that make an incredible movie? Yeah. Uh, you're funny. I won't do, no, I'm serious. I won't do this story any justice, so I won't try and tell it. But um, I can't even remember how many backyards you entered and how long you trained, how many 200-kilometre weeks you ran to just – add an hour to your PB and then add another hour to your PB and then incredibly add, I think, four hours or something to your PB and the last one still think you didn't have a chance and then 10 days out to get the invite. I was, yeah, that's a, that's a cool story. Pretty incredible. And, 
yeah, I think being involved in it, you know, just even just through messages and talking to you on the phone, I don't know, was, I, I, I was one of the first people in Australia to find out that Tim had made it because I got up to go to work at 4 a.m. and I got up to go for a run before work and I, I sitting down with my coffee and I checked Facebook and there it was. Laz had literally put it up. It said posted two minutes ago. And, um, yeah, I did a dance in the kitchen because it meant that I was going to because I no longer had any pressure on me to pull out. And, but I was just genuinely so stoked for him. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I actually woke up to that message. That was the first, like, I, I woke up in the morning and I grabbed my phone and I had a message from you and, and it's, all it said was, wake up, you're going to Biggs. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool, it was a pretty cool way to get it. So it was yeah. a saga. It was such a saga for you to get there. Oh, I know. I just, yeah. I'm like, yeah. It was um. Every every race was like a rocky bout. <laughs> you know, you were, you yeah. were on the ropes at the end of every race. So yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of yeah. There was a lot of lot of uh, lessons learned after every race. But I just every time I got it, it's funny. Every time I got into the fifties, uh, I'm like, I've got this. I'm I'm gonna get to sixty, and then something catastrophic would happen at like you know fifty four or fifty five or fifty one, and I'm like, oh, why? You know, I've, I've, I'm pretty sure I've got this. And then yeah, I remember even at Dead Cow Gully at the Masters talking to Aaron and saying. Like we we're at like forty-eight hours, and the sun was coming up. I'm like, I've got this. I'm just going to run for, you know, twelve more hours, and yeah, I've got it. And then next minute, something something wrong goes wrong or whatever. But yeah, it's nice of you to mention that, Ben. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank yeah, you for keeping me entertained for a whole year. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, look, my yeah, my story was more um, the story that that daniel um that did the masters doco told i thought that that was that was you know you just said something turned something into a movie i think what daniel did on his own and what he produced in that doco was just phenomenal like watching um like if and i didn't know it was going to be like that i thought it was going to be more about um sam harvey harvey lewis and phil gore and then w there'd be a little bit of me and ollie um a little bit of fiona and uh, akana and stuff like that but the way he told it where everyone got a like you know a 20 minute or 25 minutes of that doco to tell their little story like fiona's story was amazing you know um getting into running after you know her mum to deal with the death of her mum and um akana's like you know this light-hearted young girl who you know ran from the top of australia to the bottom in 150 marathons in 150 days and then you had me and ollie with the father father and son um story that was really cool and then you had the elite guys you know chasing a world record and breaking it so it was like there you go if you want to see a story there's your there's your backyard ultra story um that doco was just amazing and just the way it was captured um the the cinematic um uh way it was captured was just like incredible and just i mean that's that, that's outback australia kind of thing you know you're farming land kind of stuff and um it, yeah it captured what we do in australia really well um and i think that that's gonna that doco will attract a lot of people going to decal gully um because i don't know if you've seen i think today um maury maury from um japan signed up and i'm like 
I mean, I think I really want to go. Like, it sounds like everyone's going to try and get, because I think um, Sam's going to be there as well. If more is there, I'm like, oh, how can I swing it? Because, yeah, like, I mean, that doco just, you know, was a perfect advertisement for backyard ultras in Australia. So, but, yeah, the whole story captured by Daniel, and, he, uh, like, he did it on his own. Like, he was, he was, it was, it would have been so much recording, and he had to be there every time one of us pulled the pin, he had to be there as well. Like, people, we were doing it in the middle of the night and you know at all all different kind of hours but yeah no he captured that story really nicely yeah 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 i mean it is such a i love watching it's so the, i love the start how like sam Harvey, like it's around the 99 or 98 and sam harvey's like getting carried into the house and yeah it, it's, it's like, not dramatic it, at all yeah yeah it just grabs you you can't watch that like i was talking with um tim moffat and he was saying, if you just if you just tell someone, just watch the first two minutes. If yep. you get someone to just watch the first two minutes, that most of the time they'll just watch the whole thing because it just grabs you from the very start. Yep. Um, what about you, Matt? Story of the year. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can beat sort of Tim's uh, depiction of of the masters. And when we talk about making a movie, well, it's already been done. You know, it's it's. It, it's that good. It, it, it's pretty bloody good. Yeah. Um, but I, I also think of, of Harvey Lewis and, and at Biggs. Um, and I, I go back to the movie Rocky Three, you know, where Rocky suffers an early defeat by Club Lane. Um, obviously, that's Phil Gore. Um, and then brings him home to his home turf and, and, and wins. Um, and that's not to say that Phil Gore is a villain in this, not, not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but in terms of a story that, that is, you know, can be very American and that Harvey, Harvey can tell, um, it, um, it, it's very Hollywood. <laughs> um, and, and I guess that's all I have to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, nah. <laughs> um, I've actually got a couple. My first, my honorable mention is James Blanton, Ryan Crawford story. Where they went for they went one two at Dead Cow Gully in April, and then they formed a friendship at Clint Eastwood in August when they did their sixty yards and finished together with James qualifying for Biggs, and then at Biggs Ryan's race unfortunately finished a lot earlier than everyone expected, but he stepped in and crewed for James um, for at least twenty odd hours I think, and he helped James make the seventy two yards so. Um, I thought that was a really cool story. Like, and my other one is I call it the always staying positive story, and it's Tim Caprazak <laughs> after completing after completing fifty five yards at the Masters, you were teetering on the edge of the at large list, and as time went on, things didn't appear to be be moving in your favour, but um, you kept a positive attitude. And it was pretty much if I make it to Biggs, I'll make sure I'm as fit as possible. And in September, you ran over 700 kilometres, over 62 hours, and almost 10,000 metres of elevation. And that's before even that's before you knew you were running at Biggs. And then you'd found out you'd made um, Biggs with only a few weeks to spare, and you went out and ran a PB. So that that was my story of the year as well. Oh, thank you. That's very generous of you to say. <laughs> um runners to watch in 2024 
Yeah. Oh, that's a harder one. Um, I might no, have a bit of my a, one. <laughs> I might have a bit of a weird one actually. I've got Jonathan Knoll, um, American runner. I didn't know who Jonathan was before Biggs. Um, he Biggs was his first race since Biggs <laughs> in 2022. Um, he literally didn't run an ultra in 2023 at all and ran 98 hours. Um, and this is his backyard record. 34 hours, came first. 62, fourth. 25 hours, first. 74 hours, third. 98. 98 hours and seventh. So uh, that guy can run. And I, I think if he was from another country, we would, he'd probably be a bit more famous. Yeah. Um, so I think... I don't know what his plans are, if he's got any interest in doing anything else. Obviously, like I said, he didn't run at all in 2023. But, um, yeah, he, and he pushed himself really hard. I was there and when he pulled out. It was out, hard to watch. It was, yeah, it, it it was, was hard was. to watch. It was very hard to watch him do the last almost 10 hours. He was yeah. so broken. Like, he was running on an, on, on an angle. Like, yeah. just to compensate for whatever he had going on. It was insane to watch. There's nothing to him either. He's like, he's, you know, a stiff wind could blow him over kind of thing. But, yeah, uh, yeah I just thought that was an awesome run. Um, interested to see what Ehor does. Uh, for those who don't know, Ehor is actually a really good runner. Um, not in backyards, trail running. He's got a, a, quite a good record. Um, Rob? Parsons, I think Rob is potentially a 100-yard runner. So whether or not he'll get the chance, I don't know. And uh, Margie at Sat Champs, I think, the way she's been training and just her demeanour this year. Uh, I think if she's got the team around her, I'll be interested to see how far she can go. I don't think she'll stop at 48, 49, that's for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, they're the people that I'm sort of interested in watching. It's funny that, like, you can, um, if you're a backyard ultra runner, if you do well enough at bigs, you never have to run another race until <laughs> yeah, you just go back. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep qualifying every time. Yeah. 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 Sure makes it easier. Yeah. <laughs> You don't um, have to follow. You don't have to follow Phil around the country. <laughs> um, yeah. What about you, Tim? Your runners to watch for next year? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've got a few as well. A um, few international guys that I ran with um, at Bigs. I think that they can go a, a hell of a lot bigger um, if they tweak a few things. Like, and I think that they're, they're they're similar in that um, they. I think they've got like a heap of potential it's just that things just didn't happen in their favor um kevin snyder I, I ran with him um a, a lot he was one of the belgian runners actually all the belgian runners were amazing people um yeah. uh, even after the event like it was it was an awesome experience at bigs just to get to know all the international guys but the belgians they were just they were super humble and they're just amazing athletes but Ke kevin was a young one of the younger guys and he i think he ran 68 or 69 in the end um but like super strong runner 
But it was funny. I seen a post that he had, and he similar to me. He kind of lost his why. Um, but I think that if he can dial that in, I think he's a super strong one. Like he's one that's kind of in those 60s and 70s and has that potential to go 100. Um, Henrik, he, he's one of, I reckon he would have been in the top 10 had he not have had his issues. Um, like I think he forgot his, um, he changed his shoes and forgot his timing chip or whatever it was. Had he had not had that issue, he was looking so strong. He was, um, on, when I was having some issues in the mid fifties, he, um, I, I said, to, I was talking to him and he's like, look, I'm running 53 on the day loop. He was running 53 minute loops. He goes, just stick to the back of me and, you know, I'll get you through. And he's, I think he's an engineer and he's, and he's so like, he knew exactly where to walk, exactly where to run. And then I'm like, so I'm there behind him and I'm like, oh, thank God I've got Henrik to follow. And there was, there was a guy behind me. I'm like, oh, do you want to go ahead? And he's like, no, no, no. And then he, and then Henrik's like, oh, does anyone want to go? And then you know, all I heard was this chant, like, no, no, we're right. And I turn around and there's 10 of us all following Henrik because right? we're all in a hole and he's he's the one digging us out of it. So he was um, yeah, he was amazing. And I think that if that hadn't happened to him, and he's such a nice guy, and when that happened to him where he was disqualified, I'm like, oh, that's like anyone else. Like, come on, surely not him. But um, yeah, he's definitely uh, one to watch. Um, on uh, like a in as for Aussies, I reckon that there's there's a few like I kind of had a few people that have got that ability to go, you know, to that, you know, above seventy two, and then I think I had a few people that I thought um, in the twenties that can go twenties um, thirties that can go up to that forty eight seventy two hour mark. You were definitely one of them, Pato. I think that like the amount of work that you've put in um over you know the last year and a half two years is is amazing and it's like um i think the same like if you if you dial yourself into that one race i reckon that and put everything into it um you could you could easily hit that two two or three day mark for sure um so i had yourself i had margie was a big one as well um i think she's like a, a massive addition to the australian team and i think that you know, showing how she backed up a Coast Cozzy um, just proves that she can go the distance um, and, you know, hit that three-day mark. Because I think at Sat Champs, we're going to, as an Aussie team, everyone, or as a team, everyone's going to have to have those people that can go 72 plus. Um, I think Ben might have mentioned once before, like the Japanese guys, they're dialed in. They've got so many guys that can go over 72. Um, it's not funny. So I think that this year will be really cool to watch to see who can, can do that um i also had like a like i think ollie my son i know it's a it's probably i'm gonna say it because he's my son but i think that he's got massive potential this year to go you know 24 plus and then you know um you've got that public guy from poland as well he's a young guy you know 18 you know these kids are going to start you know doing these backyard ultras and they're going to start showing showing the older guys up, I reckon, soon because they've just got like they might not um, they may not hit the mark every single time, but it's just like a you know a young football team. You know, one time they'll um, they'll beat the top team, and then next week they'll lose to the bottom team. But you know, they'll do a few of them, but they'll they'll hit more often than they miss. I reckon that as they age, um, I also think that Camille Ben's wife. Um, I think that she'll do really well 
um, at uh, MVP. MVP, uh, she's record. Here we come. I, she, no, she, I think that she's got a, a hell of a lot of potential in actually taking out MVP. Um, one of my, my the guy that um, crewed for me, Joel, he's going to be there as well. I think that watching those two go at it is going to be really cool. And I think that they've that they've got huge potential. They're the they're the people that you know are relatively unknown, but I I think that will have the potential to go to that 48 hour mark and um you know on the aussie scene really make a make an impact and tim just on mvp uh, i can't remember who who's the current course record holder for mvp oh uh, there's another nichols that's the current uh record holder i'm not sure whether they're related but um i reckon that camille might might have uh been on that one i hope she does yeah, uh, I hope so too. I, I think she's got a yeah. Like looking at her training and stuff like that, she's yeah. As a as a runner, she's 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 got it all dialed in, and hopefully, yeah. Like I think we mentioned, she's just got to make sure that she's got enough ego to to want to want to win it. Yeah, yeah. definitely ego. Is, too much ego is not a problem. She has. Um, yeah, uh, MVP is going to be a good race. I've heard there's already seventy five people signed up for it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, there you go. Your runners to watch, Matt. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll stick domestically again. You you both mentioned it, but I'll I'll just second or third it. Um, Margie Hadley is the one to watch for me. Um, considering how great a year she had in twenty twenty three, I don't even think we saw almost the best of her. Um, at um birdies, obviously she she didn't get a fair fight. You know, Rob had other things on his mind, um, being qualified for bids. Um, so she, I, I don't know if she fought the best, you know, um, she had the, the best chance to test her limit in that race. And then a um, hysterical, just a, a, a couple of months ago now when you were there, Pato, um, I, I think it's apparent that she might have been the best runner in the field by some way. Um, so I think 2024, you know, she's already... It all sort of adds up to me. She's already qualified for the set champ, so she's got a whole year to train the right way and get it right. Um, I, I've got, I know she's scheduled to come to Victoria for a race in June. Um, she may take that seriously. She might be here for a holiday, though I don't know if anyone comes to Gippsland in the middle of winter for a holiday. Um, but in terms of she's qualified for the set champs, um, it's on a home turf. She's got everything going for her right now. Um, my, you know, she's already got the, um, she's the current Australian record holder at uh, 48 or 47. Uh, uh, I don't, I don't insult her. Is it 48? I think it's 47. Okay, 47. Well, my, my, my prediction is that she completely leaps from the 50s. Um, and I'm not going to put a roof on the 60s either. Um, from what I saw from the, the women around the world in 2023, um, I've got no doubt that Margie could be easily one of the best backyard racers in the world. Um, male or female, uh, like, you know, absolutely. Um, and just, just a, a real local, um, one to watch. Um, at, at GV this year, uh, you know them, Pado, um, the guys that came third and fourth. Um, Paul Dixon and Brandon Lee, uh, they ran their first backyard ultra um, at GV, Last Man Standing, and 
Um, although they didn't win the race, um, that they, they completed 32 laps in just about the easiest and most comfortable fashion that I've ever seen anyone run. And they pulled out because they had no experience whatsoever. They'd never really had any business in backyard ultras before. Um, and I think if they, you know, if they go on the learning curve that backyard runners go on, um, they've both got really big futures if they stick at backyard racing because from what I saw, although they didn't get a super result, um, they've got oodles of potential in the domestic circuit. Um, so just, I can only go on with what I saw and I only ran, did one race this year. So they're the guys that I've noticed on. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, they're, they're very good runners. Um, I've just got one runner to watch in 2024 and I've got Dan Carmack, um, a seriously good runner. He's running two backyard ultras with his best being at Hurdies um, with 51. That keeps him just on the very edge. He's currently in the qualified for the Australian team, but I'm pretty sure we'll need higher than that to qualify this year. Um, and he wants to make it. And he's coming to Miriam Werner to try and qualify. Um, oh, wow. And I think he's more than capable of running a huge PB in 2024, be it at Miram Wernert or elsewhere. So, uh, yeah, Dan Carmack for me. Super nice yeah. guy too. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's, he's another guy who's like he's still in his 20s, so he's he's gonna he's got a huge future. Yeah, he's an impressive runner because he's a very fast marathon runner too. Yeah. Um, so he has that potential to run those quicker loops, get sleep. Um, they're the, probably the most dangerous backyard ultra runners, guys that can run fast loops um, because they can get the rest, they can get um, the sleep and everything in, and then they can just take it easy when during the day when they're not. Um, that's why I feel so so um, good at what he does because he's so quick. Um, but yeah, I mean that's not not to say that you know the slower guys don't win, but yeah, he's um he's definitely Dan's a yeah super nice guy and. Yeah, because I ran with him at, at Hurdy's and he was he was taking it up to Phil for a long time. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, he loves – he just loves – he lives and breathes running from what I can tell. He um, yeah. he had a road trip over to Dead Cow Gully and he helped crew Johan over at Dead Cow Gully. And then, um, yeah, so he's um, he lives and breathes running, that's for sure. Um, um Dan – Dan and three other guys hold the FKT on the Hastings Trail too, which is twelve hundred kilometers in twelve days. So, right. Yeah. 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 He can run. do it. He can do everything, can't he? <laughs> yeah. 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 He, he, he won the um, Wings for Life. He came first in the Wings for Life in Australia earlier this year as well. It came like in the top fifty or sixty in the world too. So. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah, he can do everything. Um. 2024 predictions. What have you got, Ben? Oh, um, I think if you went back a year or two years, I don't think anyone could have predicted what's happened in the last every 12 months. It just seems to be going insane. So, yeah. um, But I think the Satellite Championships will finish roughly with Japan on top this year. Um, Tim touched on it. They seem to have... I don't know if it's on purpose or not. They seem to have their domestic backyard calendar geared around qualifying the best people for the satellite championships. I think they have seven backyards there, six of them 
are silver races and they're all run by the same group. Um, and I think you know, Pato, I can't remember off the top of my head, but what's the bottom of their the bottom um, of their qualifying list at the moment is some ridiculous number already. It was, it was either 67 or 68. Yes, he's got to <laughs> run 70 hours yeah. basically to qualify for the Japanese team. That's just amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're my pick for the stat champs. And I've got, um, other than that, I've got USA, Australia and Belgium. So the same four teams finishing top four. Um, I would love to sort of get us through in to a top three finish again. I was, that was a pretty cool. Um, and I think all four of those teams will get into the 90s during the SAT champs. Um, and my other 2024 prediction is that the world record won't get broken. Yes. So, um, that's about it. And probably Oli Kakrizak running 24 plus. Yeah. So, uh, pressure's, on, pressure's on Oli. And... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I better mention my own son who's running MVP in February as well. So he's aiming for six-ish. So I reckon he'll get seven. So if you're listening, Dane, you've got to put some more effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, my predictions, I guess, it's, I'm very similar to you, Ben. I think that the Japanese runners have, um, I don't know, they've got like this stoic, attitude towards their running um when they're running they're they're so super dialed in and focused and then when they're not running they're taking weird selfies with lads in front of them (laughs) (laughs) the finish the finish line like it's it's like i mean it's night and day their personalities are amazing but when they're running man they are so dialed in and focused like they were were business Oh, they were all business. So I think, uh, yeah, I too, I think that the, the Japanese are going to be, out of out of all the teams, I think that they possibly on paper um, and just the way their attitude is towards um, backyard ultra and stuff, I think that they're ones to watch. I think the Belgians, they're going to, um, they've already got a super solid team of runners. Um, Frank, um, who I think you had on the podcast, yeah. if if you could have been there, those last few loops of his, when everyone was chanting, Frank the Tank, Frank the Tank. That guy, <laughs> he was, I, I don't know how he even made He was falling over the line, and he was falling over the line for the last 12 hours. Um, but everyone was chanting, Frank the Tank. And then as soon as he heard that chant, he'd like he'd get his arms up, and everyone would get louder, and then he'd just keep going. He'd be like, he was like he was addicted to the chant, so he just <laughs> did another loop, so everyone would chant again. Um <laughs> But yeah, those the, I think the Belgians are going to be super strong. Um, the Americans are they're always going to be super strong. But it, um, John Noll, like he was, it was crazy watching him. Um, and and I think the Aussie team, um, I, I think that I think there'll be some dark horses pop up this year. I think now that everyone knows that it's possible to go, you know, really deep into the like the seventies and the eighties, um, and having a look at the, we've got a, like a real diverse range of. Um, athletes um, up the top. You have guys like Phil, who's like super quick um, and pumps out his laps really quickly and stuff like that. And then you've got Rob, who he he just chugs along and just gets he's all business and he just gets it done. And I think um, up and coming runners, looking at runners like that, will get 
will get um, a heap of confidence knowing that they don't have to be the fast. They don't have to be as fast as Phil to get in the 80s and 90s. They can be like, be like Rob and then just go out there and then just, you know, have a good um, plan in place to, you know, whether it's a run walk or whatever it may be. So I think that um, we're lucky in Australia that we've got that. And I, th I think that we'll, I think the world record will be broken. And I reckon, I don't know whether Australia will go, um, it, like, you know, I don't know whether Australia will win, but I reckon Australia will be the only country that will break the world record. So that's my prediction. Awesome. <clears throat> what about you, Matt? Uh, yeah, I think you, you've touched on some of the, the popular ones. Uh, I'll, I'll touch on the Mar Margie Hadley again. Like I think um, I, I said just only a few minutes ago that she'll easily run into the 60s at the SAT champs. But now that I've thought about it for another few minutes, 74 isn't that much to, to you know, not much of a bow to draw. So my, my prediction is not only does Margie obviously break the Australian female course record, I think she'll be the, the last female standing at the, at, in the world at the satellite champs, and she just might go... And get the the best the the women's best ever result of seventy four plus. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, I, I think she's you know especially because she's very close to the you know she's close to the strong runners from WA. You know, being in her backyard as well, she's going to have all the support in the world she she'll ever want. Mm. Um, I think it's set up for a really big result for her. So. Um, mm. That, that's my prediction. Yeah. Um, I've got Australia to will finish number one spot at the SAP Champs. Just, just because I'm Australian. Big call. <laughs> um, I've also got, I reckon Miriam Wernett's going to be a corker. I've got um, Miriam Wernett will go for over 72 hours. I reckon, <laughs> I reckon, it, I reckon. I hope it, not. <laughs> Um, and just for fun, I've got, I reckon one of the search for hurt contestants will make it to 48 hours at Miram Wernet. That's a big call. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. I it thought sure I was. <laughs> that's awesome though yeah 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 it'll be fun to, it'll be really fun like that race um, with those search for hurt runners there running as well. Like, it'll be. Awesome. Well, we don't we don't know who who those runners are, who those athletes are yet. So if you get Tom Dade, uh, if Tom Dade makes it onto the team, or if Aaron Young, I think he's um, looking at potentially being on there as well. I, yeah, they can definitely hit forty eight. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Is, has Tom Dade gone for it? Has he? I think he might have. Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. No, he'd be amazing. Oh yeah, he would. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I think that's a good call, but I think Miriam Wernett's going to, um, yeah, with no backyard masters and, and whatnot this year, I think it's going to be a race to watch for sure. Yeah, and because and, the the road at night time will help, it's not all it's not going to all be on paddock. Oh, that's going to help so much. Yeah, that, that paddock yeah, is hard work. Big Bigs was Bigs was an eye opener in that. The day course was really, really tough. The night course was a lot easier, but it was an eye-opener that, you know, you can go big. It doesn't matter 
like what the is what well, doesn't matter what the course really looks like um i was getting like 160 170 at points um elevation during the day loop at bigs and um it was everyone was still managing to get in you kind of looked forward to the day loop so i think with mirror and weren't it being similar uh, i know it's paddock grass depends on how they mow it and how it's you know how it is but i definitely think that yeah you can go you can go pretty big on on most courses i don't think that that's the that's the overriding factor and i think the bigs prove that yeah and um i know of some other runners like there's like dan carmax coming over for it um sean lyons from queensland he's done 37 at dead cow gully he's coming down for it so there's probably others who um uh, ross mclean's gonna be there there's a lot of runners who can go deep who are well, i think ross ross mcphee might be doing it yeah. as well yeah he's, the, he's, yeah he's won it the last couple of times he actually he loves the day course yeah yeah i, I think a, a really good thing about mirror and this year you know apart from that you know we had the fat champs there um last year but um it, it you know being victorian obviously um it, it really is shaping up to be the victorian championship race um which is a, a really big thing for, for Mirren Wern and the race directors and, and that's what they always really wanted it to be um being a, a, a really good you know illustration and 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 showpiece for what big's backyard is um and they've really tried to keep it to its original roots and then it's you know traditional philosophies of of being a a, a tougher type course um in you know in a remote area um with relatively small you know fields and and it's really trying to to keep to those original sort of philosophies yeah you're dead right like it's um and it really warrants that silver ticket as well i reckon it's um and i think that that's what you want with your silver ticket events you want them to be hard you want them to be tough and you want the best runners going to those silver ticket events um and until i reckon not until even more so i reckon it's going to be this year we're all going to kind of realize how this whole silver ticket and bronze ticket um stuff plays out because previously it was all like uh you know people were entering they didn't even know what a silver ticket was um whereas now they're like hen's teeth like people are kind of trying to gear their whole year around chasing these silver tickets around the country because they know how um important they are like one's gone off already and then that's it so now you've got you know you got i think we've only got four left and they're all super hard events um so and everyone's going to kind of instead of instead of having to chase the really good runners around the country um to try and post a big total now you've now you're going to be looking at those events because not only um are you going to be running against the best in that australia has Has anyone else lost him? Yeah, we've lost him. He was he was just saying something really good too. Oh, it was gonna be profound. <laughs> uh, can you hear us, Tim? Back oh, I can. Really sorry, I oh, no, he's quit. back, he's back. I'm back, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I don't know where I where I cut off. Sorry, I apologize. No, just go back to Frank the Tank stuff and that. <laughs> Nah, so no what i was saying yeah you're pretty much like the silver tickets are going to be the hardest things to get so everyone's going to be chasing them and you're going to have the best athletes there so i mean that's yeah the um... story on that when we got back from bigs um 
And I, I said to Camille, I'm not sure my 56 is going to be enough to get me into the Sat Champs team. Um, I want to chase the ticket at Miramwerna. She was like, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I sort of foolishly said, I think I'll only have to beat Ross McPhee. You know, he'll be <laughs> like, he'll, he'll come back for sure and he'll be tough to beat. But I said, I, I reckon, I reckon we can get it done in less than 50. And then next minute, it's like the who's who pseudo Australian championships. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's sort of a, a, a few comments about, like, oh, you might not get that silver ticket quite so easily anymore. And um, But that's not the point. I, I entered to qualify for the SAT, for the SAT chance. So um, if there's people there that can get me into the 60s, then that's all I need. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a high-quality race. It's going to be great. Mm. Um, so we're all doing Miram, weren't it? Um, what else um, have you locked in for the year, um, Ben? Oh, me? Um, Miram, weren't it? And then I've got um, Camille and Dane, wife and son, running at MVP, so I'm crewing that. Um, and then, sorry, I've actually got my calendar in front of me. Uh, down Under. Again, this is my third and final attempt at trying to finish down under 135. It's in April. Um, we have a local ultra here uh, in southwest Victoria. It's only like 20 minutes from my house in May. Um, it's a 216k relay run. So I want to do that just because it's local and support it. Um, Camille's running Unbreakable, which is the Barclay Marathon sort of uh, based race here in Victoria. So I'm entering that and I'm running it um, with her. And if she stops before me, I'll, I'll go on for as, as long as I can afterwards. Um, should be counting these. Thanks <laughs> to the U Yang's probably 100Ks in July. Um, <laughs> it's sounding um, more and more like Pato every day. I know. Now that I'm reading it out, I, I've Only it doesn't end in Backyard Ultra. <laughs> Backyard ultra. <laughs> um, we talked about going back up to Queensland to do the Unreasonable East, um, but that might be Camille doing the 100-miler, the so I'd be crewing that one because she's already done the Irrational South, so she only needs that and Delirious to get her trilogy, which is the you know the, the three from that, that series. Um, I still... There's a race in Victoria called the Surf Coast Century, which is a 100-kilometre trail race. It's quite a fast track, and I've had two cracks at it and never managed to pull off a good race. So um, I want to do that. And then we've got the Sat Chance in October, and then I might have two months off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I saw you posted something about that uh, local relay race near you and i thought oh that looks interesting i looked at the website and the photo gallery they've got pretty much every photo they've posted is a close-up photo of a snake so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we have a lot of snakes here yeah um, but um they they're quite they're good snakes i've seen a lot of snakes like camille and i've been out running and seen like eight snakes in in 8Ks. Yeah. And, yeah, you, you just run past them. Yeah. 
They, they're not. I mean, I see them every now and then, but I alter my route during snake season, so I don't see them as much. But when I do, they pretty much ignore you unless, unless. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Um, on that, I should point out that that race, the Kangaroo Base Camp, it's called. I I didn't see any snakes there last year. Oh, okay. so. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it looks like a lot of fun. Like I was thinking, yeah, this looks this looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a lot of fun. It's a. Um, I'm not affiliated with it. I'm not plugging it at all, but it's yeah. it's it's based at like a school camp. So, like you, your dormitory accommodation comes in the the price. There's a big fireplace, and there's a, you get used of the the kitchen, and like it's you just everybody's sitting around at tables drinking and eating, waiting for their runner to come in and and grabbing the baton and and taking a turn. It's, yeah, it's a really cool social um, concept. So, yeah, yeah, it sounds good. Cool. <clears throat> um tim what races have you got penciled in? Uh, so so i'm hoping not to have to try and qualify for sat champs um like i did for bigs and have to do a, a backyard ultra every couple months but <laughs> i am um, i'm hoping that it's just one and done and that'll be it moon weren't it so i'll be there um so i'll do that one then i wanted i wasn't going to go back and do down under after I, I did it last year um but something in me is like oh you know what i i really enjoyed that event it was it was it was pretty cool um the community around it and the race directors and stuff like that they put on an awesome event um so i'd like to go and back and do that um i've I don't, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I'd like to go and do dead cow, but I don't know whether, I don't know whether the timing is going to be right with, with the other events. Um, but that would be a cool one to do. Um, but aside, yeah, aside from that, I haven't, like, there's nothing really locked in. I've, I've kind of stopped kind of locking in four or five events for the year. And then, um, cause it's just, yeah, it depends on what, what's happening. Uh, but yeah, definitely. So you got mirror down under. Um, I, I wouldn't, I, I like, I'm going to be following Ben and Camille around. Um, Unbreakables, uh, uh, I'd like to go back there um, and prove that the first time that I finished it wasn't a fluke. Um, and then uh, Sat Champs is like the big one. I've kind of cleared a lot of stuff before Sat Champs, try and put in um, a big training block uh, with the course being a lot flatter um, for Sat Champs than what it was at bigs and the previous set champs i think it's going to take something a little bit different in training to be ready for that i do tend to run run a moderate amount of hills um and i know that the surface at um at the hurdies venue for set champs is going to be um a little bit uh it's it's a little bit harder uh underfoot so um i'd like to spend a couple months training for that properly um but yeah definitely that's Sat champs will be that a race for me next year, but I, I do I, I really enjoy the point to point events. It they they kind of um like they're not as mentally fatiguing as a backyard ultra. So and I think that they're important and they and they really help you out as a as an ultra runner and also as a backyard runner. If you can do some good point to point events and then go into that, um, it kind of really makes you appreciate um you know how hard you work and stuff. So. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, what about you, Matt? What have you got? Um... Yeah, short and sweet. I've uh, I've only got two races sort of locked in that I'm committed to. 
for 2024. The first one, obviously, is Miram Wernet. Um, that's definitely my my A race for the year. Um, as I said, I think earlier, um, it, it'll be my first chance in really two years to really um, give a backyard a, a red hot crack. Um, you know, I don't. I to be honest, I don't expect to, to win the thing, but I don't. I don't need to because I know that the quality of runners that are going to show up at that event. Um, I'm going to really be able to test my limit and, and sort of find out exactly where I am. Um, and either way, no matter the result, if, if I find my limit um, when I'm fit and as fit as, and as fit as I think I am, um, it's going to be a huge success. So either way, Miram Wern, it's going to be a, a fantastic event for me um, because I'm, you know, I'm really going to get to see what two years worth of um, dedication and devotion to backyard racing gets me. Um, and the second one is in June, and, and this is a, a shameless plug. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a ambassador for a new backyard ultra starting in Victoria. Um, it's called Wild Dog Backyard Ultra. Um, it's it's by uh, Ultra Series, so it's the events that Sean Kessler runs. Um, and it's a brand new event in, in Vic starting up. So it'll be the fourth backyard ultra in Vic. So if anyone's looking for a brand new event, um, jump on board Wild Dog Backyard Ultra. Yeah. Uh, and that's in June. Um, and that should be a hoot as well. We've already got a, a good list of, of entrants that are turning up. As I said, Margie's turning up. She's also an ambassador for the, for the event. Uh, Pado is as well. Yeah. Um, so that should be just a whole lot of fun, to be honest. And, and I, I'm really excited for that one as well because it's a, an actual local event for me. It's it's no more than 30 minutes from my doorstep. So um, it's a really convenient race as well. Um, and that, yeah, that's what I've got locked in. So up to you, Pato. Yeah, well, I'm doing MVP. Then I'll be doing uh, Miram Wernet and, yeah, Wild Dog as well. And then I'm just going to figure out what I'm doing depending on what happens at those races. But like, there's a lot of races that I've got my eye on, like even like that six-day race in Adelaide, I'd like to give that a shot. Um, uh, yeah, even, yeah, look, I mean, I'll just wait and see. But, yeah, the Sat Champs is my main goal. So, yeah, depending on these other races will kind of guide my direction, I guess you could say. It's a good way to be, I reckon. Like, you, you I always kind of, when me and Ollie kind of spitball ideas about events, we're kind of not looking too far ahead. It is good to have that goal as at set champs, but yeah, if you if you start putting a heap of races in, then you kind of tend to, um, I find by training, you don't get the best out of your training because you're too busy looking too far forward and then you know you hit an event and you're like oh i don't really want to you're like in an event you might be pushing and then you're like ah oh, i don't want to push too hard because i've got this other event in five or six weeks you know whereas if you've only got that event that's it it's like you know you give it everything you've got and then you worry about the consequences later like yeah. ben's a perfect example of that hit bigs and you know eight weeks later or six weeks later he's still struggling but i, I bet he wouldn't take that back you know no, he no, put it all no. he put it all on the line and it was like it was 50 50 loops on a dodgy knee it was incredible so yeah it's like um i was signed up to do the 24-hour coburg track race and when that got cancelled um i just thought well miriam that means i'll have just forever to recover from miriam weren't it so it 
I won't be running at Miriam Word and thinking, oh, I've got the Coburg 24 in a few weeks. So there won't be any excuses at Miriam Werner, that's for sure. Oh, there'll be plenty of us to drag you out of that chair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're probably going to regret coming. <laughs> um, hey, I've got one question for you guys. It's, it's totally non-running related. But seeing all th three of you live in regional Victoria, um, and I'm really, I'm really into this kind of stuff. I don't know if any of you are, but there's lots of talk about big cat sightings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> have any of you seen anything? Um, no, there's a that's a big, um, that's a big sort of a local legend where I live. But the the group that helped to put on that local ultra that we were just talking about um, are called the Princeton Institute of Sport, which is the acronym is PIS, which they put on all their stuff. But it, it's it's they're very funny people, uh, and their their logo is the Princeton Panther. So, but no, no, I just I think the, there's too many snakes here for a panther to last too long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the only panther, the only panther that I've seen is driving down to the Otways. Um, I can't remember what little town it is. It's just past Forest. As you're driving down on the right-hand side, there's like a lagoon with a little island in the middle, and someone has put up a black panther um, silhouette out of something, and they've painted it black. And I, I remember the first time driving past there and seeing it, I'm like, oh, my God, there's a panther over there. <laughs> and then so I did a U-turn, and I drove the family back up and because they didn't believe me. I'm like... Oh no! It's it's just someone's put that there. That's the only panther I've ever seen. It looks local, but no, I haven't seen any. Uh, what about you, Matt? I can tell you you've seen something, haven't you? No, no. Uh, there's plenty, there's plenty of stories in uh, in Gippsland, but um, I, I don't know how much of it is credible. So um, I, I'm quite um, you know, I'm I'm not a huge huge believer, but um. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 there got to be some out there, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they catch big feral cats, like hunters. They'll catch big feral cats and hang, hang them up, and they're like two metres long, so it wouldn't be hard to mistake one. No, definitely no, not. Yeah, there's some big cats. Mm. Yeah. Hey, um, well, guys, thanks heaps for coming on. It's, I've really enjoyed the chat, and I reckon... Um, I reckon this year's been one of the best years, running years ever, and I reckon next year will it be even better. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks again, guys. Merry Christmas, and we'll, we'll, be, we'll be in touch for sure. Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas, Jets. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.